Dude, I have a Bobcat Snuggie. It is awesome. I want to hate on you for that, but I'm, I can't. I want one. Welcome back, everybody, to the R&R Cat Cast, coming fresh out of a Cat Grays win. How you doing, Thorny? Man, I am doing awesome. That was a great win. And I just watched the ending of that Rams game. I'm a Rams fan. Double good weekend for me. Attaboy, attaboy. It does feel good. We've we've had our share of coming to this podcast where we we have <laughs> talked about licking our wounds, but it does not feel like that one bit today. No, no. This is probably the best mood I've been in. I mean, how could you not be in a good mood after Saturday? My goodness, the miracle of Missoula. I'm not sure how I feel about that moniker, but pretty awesome regardless. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a cold beer on tap. I have a cold beer on tap. Let's uh, share what we got. Well, I was at the grocery store. I picked out this beer. Um, kind of had Troy Anderson in mind, to be honest with you. It's, <laughs> it's called... Uh, hold on, hold Na- on. Let me guess. A Troy Anderson-inspired beer. Um, I have nothing, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a Washington beer. It's called the Magnificent Bastard Scotch Ale. <laughs> so I was like, well... I'm going to preemptively buy this in case uh, we win Cat Grizz. Might have been a little cocky on my part, but hey, worked out. And uh, I'm not sure who I'm going to give my – who I would call the Magnificent Bastard. I might just call Jeff Choate the Magnificent Bastard of that game. But uh, anyway, it's a Scotch Ale from Bremerton here in Washington. And, you know, it's all right. It's got like the the lion sigil thing, kind of like a Stroh's can type thing on it. So pretty Ooh, exciting. Going to old school <laughs> with the Stroh's. I mean that harkens back <laughs> yeah. to like yep. freshman year at Montana oh, God. State. <laughs> yeah, we call we called that pork chop in a can <laughs> when we drank that Jeez. so heavy. Yeah, filling it's a meal meal in a can. What are you drinking? Well, my wife picked this up and she vowed never to get it again. I don't think it's that bad. It's one of those uh, Trader Joe's uh, house brand beers. It's called Botswin American IPA. Um, it's all right. <laughs> I didn't make any special trips uh, this week to go get any kind of different beer. So that's what nice. I'm drinking tonight. I had pretty, the pretty, uh, pretty uh, I, I don't know, vanilla IPA, if I would call it that. Yeah, I'd probably like it because it's probably not slapped me in my face bitter. So, <laughs> no, it's kind of like, uh, as you know, when you're reading the label, it does kind of. Um, makes sense. It's more malty than most IPAs I've drank. So, or I drink. So that's that's where it's at. Well, man, how about that game? I don't. I know we're gonna talk about it, and I'm just still like giddy about it. I'm just like, just wow, <laughs> pretty epic ending there. I can't believe the series of events that led to the ending of that game, the ups and downs of that roller coaster of those last few minutes, but. You know what I wrote down? It t- it kind of felt like to me like how like a rocky, a rocky movie plays out <laughs> in the final fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that. So, um, probably get into the stats here real quick, like I like to do here. Um, stats pretty much evened out because I know what do we have like fifty, fifty yards of offense in the first half, down twenty two to zip right before halftime there before we pulled out that incredibly crucial score before halftime, but we ended up. Uh, 20 first downs, 22 for the Grizz. Total yards evened out pretty close. 454 for the Grizz, 387 for us. I mean, high 300s, 
that's about par for the course for the cats. I think it's about what we do, mm-hmm. but considering, I don't even know how much of that was in the fourth quarter, like at least 200 of it. I'd have to, I guess, <laughs> um, penalties were definitely a little trouble problematic. Seven on our side for 60 yards, three for three for 30 for the Chris. Um, I mean, the two fumbles obviously being the biggest key in this game, 10 position, pretty even third down positions or conversions, identical six of 14, mm-hmm. except, uh, there's were third and 300 miles constantly picking those up. That was fun to watch, but really, I mean, pretty even game. Uh, they didn't have any sacks, but that's pretty common for teams playing against Trey Anderson. Cause he, I mean, he's only been sacked what nine times all year, or I guess the Bobcat quarterbacks have been sacked nine times all year. Excuse me. We don't even have 10. We're in single digits. Uh, we did get four sacks, and that did break your bold prediction of two. So kudos to you. My bold prediction of Isaiah Anfonze and Troy Anderson going over 125. Troy almost got there. Anfonze, not so much. I think he ended up with like 60, 70 yards, something like that. Yeah. So we're in that range. So overall, like, uh, I mean, it took us a while to get going, but I, the way that last – like the third and fourth quarter played out is kind of how I thought the game would go, which is kind of why I made the bold prediction. I just thought we would have more success running the ball out of the gate, but I got to give a lot of credit to the Montana defense. They really came out fired up and they were flying around and they were making plays right off the bat. Yeah. I was really like put in my place. Uh, first half of the ball game, I was just like, man, this feels so familiar. <laughs> like when they were going up on us and they had all the momentum, I'm like, it was, it was like, I didn't text you about it, but I was just feeling like, man, we I've been here so many times before. Like, underwhelming play by the Bobcats in uh, an important game, you know. So, that just felt all too all too familiar. And, uh, man, it just it was really disappointing, to say the least. Yeah, it's hard not to get that little nagging voice in the back of your head like, oh, here we go again. As much as ex- excited as you are coming to the game, you're thinking we match up well. It's, it's just hard to shake the fact that we've been – guys are ass-kicked so many times by the Grizz. I'll just come out and say it. <laughs> we have. We have. And it's just, it's tough to to just not think about that when you're down 22 to zip. Like, well, shit. You know, <laughs> I was at a watch party in Bellingham and – it's like, guys, this sucks. I don't want to be in a sea of Grizz fans. I mean, there was equal parts Grizz and Cat fans there, but I just don't want to deal with the getting the cheering and the taunting. There was no taunting, but I just don't want to be there. You know, when you're down 22 zip, getting your butt kicked, it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to go home at this point. You know, but um, glad that we pulled it out. And there were some key, key plays that really kept us in this game. I thought um, Travis Johnson had his best game as a Bobcat. I know he had that one kind of a crucial drop there, but I think he made up for it on like a, a third down catch uh, on the sideline where he was draped by a, a Grizz defender and he went up, snagged the ball, a pretty high point, kept in bounds, like pirouetted and uh, got like five or six more yards for the first down. That was such a crucial, crucial play in the game. I mean, it was just Johnson definitely gets my offensive side of the game ball. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard for me to keep my thoughts organized on this one. I was just, I'm still just like pretty excited about it. <laughs> you know, a couple of things that stood out to me was how bad Kevin Cass has played for the first half of the football game. Uh, 
thinking about how he picked up that punt. Uh, yeah. And then he had a couple missed passes where, like, he was, you know, hit him in the hands or, you know, could have gotten it. And those were crucial, crucial plays. And then, then you think about Johnson. He brought up – he had that, you know, that huge third um, third down pass. It just went right in his hands, you know. I mean, that kind of stuff, when the Grizzlies were rolling, we were doing nothing but shooting ourselves in the foot. We had two false start penalties uh, on first downs. And so, you know, we get back into the – uh, first in 15, I mean, it, it, we couldn't get out of our way. And it was no. just just like, you know, we've seen that tape before. We've played that game too many times before. And so I was just super frustrated when I was watching that kind of stuff. I was like, you know, players need to step up. And, and they eventually did. And that's the cool thing about this team. You know, one thing that was different from the Kramer era to the Ash era, this team has more mental toughness and fight and uh, they don't tenacity that the, than any other team I've seen uh, as long as I've been a Bobcat and, and that's saying something. So that's no, really that, cool to see. It is. It's and like Chope brought up in his press conference about, he just feels like the culture has shifted more in like the last month than it has even in the last two and a half years leading up to it. Like you just kind of sense the team really buying into it, coming together and they never consider themselves down. You talk to the players or like, Oh, we're, you know, we're we're gonna get this together. We're gonna the guys were talking to each other, like, let's all make plays, let's get this back on track. Like they never counted themselves down and out in this game and it showed. Like they just kept chipping away, storming back, making the finally started making some plays and got themselves back in the game. It was really it was just fun to watch. It was just really I'm proud to be a Bobcat for for those guys, for those guys fighting for each other, for the university, for the pride of Montana and bringing the trophy or keeping the trophy in Bozeman. It's like, man, you have to be proud of those guys for the way they fought. Oh, absolutely. And not only that, through the whole month of November, Mike Kramer used to call this the big man month. Yep. And <laughs> I hate, I always make comparisons back to the Ash era. And we always would just, you know, dwindle or you know, feather out in the month of November. And we've played our best ball. I would say right now we were playing our best ball, which yeah, is not agreed. something I can remember us doing at the very end of a season where we're peaking at the right time. And, you know, three weeks ago, you and I were talking here on this uh, cat cast, you know, straight off a loss from uh, Idaho state where as Choke said, you know, could should have, would have, you know, not thinking we had uh, a snowball's chance in hell to make the playoffs. And here we are. You know, we just kept chipping away, kept chipping away, as you put it, uh, you know, took care of business and look where we got. And couldn't be ex more excited. I love the fact that we're in the playoffs. Uh, it's been on my mind since last week. I thought we were going to win the game all last week. And so my mind was racing ahead to the playoffs. I had to temper my spirit a lot in that. But that's where I was living most, mostly last week. How many times in how – first run did the did the stars seem to align for the Grizz like they'd be like teams would lose and all of a sudden instead of like going on the road in the first round the way things shook up they'd get a home game and there'd be an upset and somewhere else in the field so then they get a second round home game because the seeded team lost it mm -hmm. just seemed it's like maybe this is the year things kind of happen for us 
like that. Like just the crazy way that the, the, the landscape shaped out the last few weeks. North Dakota losing to NAU. I, don't, I mean, Idaho State losing to Weber State. That was kind of expected. But I didn't really think – I mean, the walk-up Sky Dome, I guess, is one of the hardest games to play. Um, oh, sh- shout-out to Jerome Sowers. Um, he's retiring. So just wanted to point that out here real fast. He's had a good career down there. But uh, – Hey, quickly, just, quickly, yeah. Qu- quick prediction. Do you think uh, Greg Rack puts his name in for that job? I hadn't considered that. Uh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd give that a solid maybe. I think I he does. I, I, I don't. I think he's going to probably put in his name for any head coaching job in the Big Sky. Well, I was just thinking uh, sidebar upon your sidebar. Um, if the Grizz fire their defensive coordinator, <laughs> it's like does does. Gregor, I have any chance in hell of going back to Missoula under Hauk. Well, that's car- that's crossed my mind um, before. I I would highly doubt that. I would highly doubt it too. Uh, I think he'd be, uh, I think he'd be like the most hated Mon- man, second most hated man in Montana history, besides Ryan Leaf. <laughs> I think he's here. I think he's here for the duration. Um, you know, making that move laterally, he he has a really good. Uh, he has a really good, uh, you know, relationship with Choate. He did not have a good relationship with Stitt, and no, I, I mean, no, he had a great relationship with Hal. I, I assume, uh, but I don't think that's enough to, to make him, you know, go. So no, there's a lot in the more trajectory of our team, to the the future of our team. Why wouldn't you want to be on this? Why wouldn't you want to be with the Cats right now? It's, I mean. There's naysayers out there, but and like we talked about it, and this is something I really wanted to talk about today. Uh, prior to these these podcasts, and even during these podcasts, we've been waiting for this defining moment. We've talked about yes, is this a defining moment? Well, it's hard to say it isn't. <laughs> it's, well, I mean, can you think of any more defining moment than stuffing your rival on third and one from like honestly from like the six inch line, causing a fumble? winning the game, keeping them at home and going into the playoffs because of that fumble. <laughs> I, I really can't, <laughs> you know, it was such a, an amazing moment uh, when I went to school today and I was teaching my classes, I even pulled it up on the Twitter to show them my sixth graders. They, they're not like invested in the Cagurs. I was like, have you guys ever heard of the Cagurs? They're like, no, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> but they, they have some football fans and I pulled up that moment. And so I like annotated the moment for them and, what I was doing in my life. Like I, I was running around my house, like a crazed man screaming, scared my mother-in-law who happened to be in the house at the time. And then she started laughing. She pulled out her cell phone, started filming me, sent it to my mother. <laughs> you know I mean? It was just, and then I ran outside, yelled, called you, continued to yell on the phone. <laughs> I know. I wish I had recorded your, you're just basically just screaming for about six seconds. <laughs> oh man, I was I was a total Pretty wreck excited. that game, just a total wreck. And so I was. I know you I was went like MIA on the you went <laughs> MIA on the text thread for like most of the game. Well, I'll be honest, <laughs> no response. I'll, and I will tell everyone who's listening to this, I couldn't watch the game. And this is the one of the few games I I can't bear to watch. I get too nervous inside. I I, I let it go past. I, I kind of follow the updates on my phone, and then. When it comes back around, I'll go back and watch it again. And you call me a bad fan, call me what you want, but I, I can't take it. So I was out in my garage. I was rearranging my garage. I, I vacuumed out both cars. My mom had sent me a birthday present 
that came at halftime. I didn't know she was sending me this. It was a bobcat flag. I sent you a picture of it. I had that thing up, you know, bolted to my house by the end of the first drive or by the end of that final <laughs> drive. I'm calling it my lucky charm. It's still flying. I still haven't taken it down. It's still. I wouldn't. There. I wouldn't take it down until we lose the season. I mean, that is clearly. We talk about superstitions. That's clearly the good luck oh, flag man. right there. Don't touch that flag. Absolutely. I Don't mean, you even think about it. <laughs> at, in the middle of the game, I was like, I got to get this up before the end of the game. We started making a comeback right when I opened it up. I was like, I got to get this up. And so I got out of my drill, <laughs> went outside. I was like, well, where do I, you know, where do I find a place to do this? You know, obviously I got this new house, found this perfect place to drill it in, piloted the holes, sunk the screws in. Raise the flag up. It is awesome. So you know what? I'll, nice. I'll post that picture on our our, our cat cast you should. Uh, Twitter account, and uh, so everybody can see it. It was really cool. So our Baker's dozen fans will uh, followers on Twitter will appreciate yeah. that. Shout out to my mom. Thanks, <laughs> mom, for sending me that flag. It was timely. It was awesome. Yeah. Nice. So so yeah, there I would I would come back into the house, uh, and I was like, no way. And then we were getting all you know all these plays were happening and we hit the, the turnover on Sneed and we just kept marching. And all of a sudden you, the momentum was with us and I was just, you know, super excited. And then, no, there, go ahead. Sorry. You know, we score, we go ahead. And then I, I couldn't do it. I, I was like, I was like a cat on a hot roof, man. I was like running inside and outside the house hiding behind the couch, peeking over to see the score. <laughs> I'm, I'm the worst fan to watch a Bobcat game with. And then on Sunday, once uh, the whole the whole thing transpired, I, I checked Root and I was like, okay, I got to watch it now just so I can get <laughs> like, some good talking points when I talk to you. <laughs> yeah, it, you're, you're getting worked up just talking about your story about getting oh, worked up. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll be way more calm uh, this weekend and every other game this, this year. Uh, I've, I've gotten better. This has been a struggle for me. Um, for for years now, honestly, but I've gotten better this year, knowing I would have to talk to you and you know go through this game and you know deliver on the cat cast, and so it's been getting better for me. But when it came to this game, I knew I was just going to be <laughs> too geeked up, as Cho would say. Yeah, well, the guys came out kind of geeked up. I think. Oh, actually, no, I would say that uh, Choke said the guys kind of came out flat. He said he, they even felt kind of flat pre-game and he wasn't quite sure what to attribute that to maybe just the way the game kind of was getting to the guys or something like that but kind of came out flat I mean I guess Troy kind of came out I would say geeked up because he's always geeked up but uh it just seemed like we were just ready for anything that first half and I could not really envision much of a worse half of football than that I'm glad that we held them to 22 points because there was a few um, opportunities for them to extend that lead uh but we were able to at least score at the end of the first half which was the probably the first sign of life we had all game where i'm like all right maybe i'll i can i can stick around see what happens in the second half and uh uh god we got we cannot keep giving up though third and eight like that one drive where they just had three third and 17 or like, and one was like a third and 19 mm-hmm. we had like th- that's the weirdest drive you've ever seen. It was like three, was it three sacks on that drive alone, getting them into third and 19s and whatever, and they convert three of them. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Maddening. Just ridiculous. 
but we held them to a field goal. I so know, that right? <laughs> really was kind of a, a weird victory. I mean, that was kind of what was the score at that? That was 25. So it was 25 15. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that was a crucial drive for them because that extended it to a two score game instead of 22 15. Um, that made a, a 10 point game. So that definitely made a two score game. So that was a big drive. That was a big drive. Like that was as crazy and weird as it was, that was very important for them. And, but we were able to overcome that, but we have to get better on that third down defense. I don't understand really what we were doing to like Sneed. I give Sneed all the credit in the world. I was, I, I don't know if I'd say I was wrong about him because I didn't really talk too much about him necessarily but he definitely impressed me well he had that houdini play during that drive too where we had him in his grips on a third down and he just you know slipped right out of it and he completes one of those uh, long passes and it was just yeah. so maddening i was i was like are you serious like that 30 19 and they get like 23 i was just like yep. we missed two tackles like we hit each other essentially conkle and some some other guy come in and I think it was Filer, you know, missed a tackle because basically they shed each other off each other. And I don't, can't remember if it was Kim or who who caught that, you know, slips that and then fights for another four. And you're just like, are you kidding? It was, just, it was ridiculous. That was wild. And that goes back to you and I always say, you know, it's never as good as it appears and it's never as bad as it appears. I don't think the Grizz were as good as they appear. I think those third and 18s and third and longs, there's a there's a little bit of element of luck in there. And, you know, granted, I'm going to give Steve props. He was a gamer for sure, and he completed those passes. But, you know, that's not going to happen again. You know, you string together three third and longs, extra longs, and, you know, make those happen. Yeah, I just don't see that happen. And then go back to the first half, too. The Cats were really shooting themselves in the foot. We're not as bad as we appear no. <laughs> on uh, on that first uh, that first half. And the Grizz, you know, they were just riding the momentum they had, like they've had all year. They've been a really strong first half team, and they were looking to. Be- Somebody said, I can't remember who was it. They're like oh, Bobby Hulk's an ass or something for trying to go for that two point conversion. I'm, I kind of liked it. You know, honestly, if if you're rolling and you have a chance to kind of send a message a little bit that, you, you know, you run a, uh, a two-point conversion and convert it, that's, that's sending a message in my book. That's send, saying, like, you know, we're here to smother you and not let up on the gas. And so I, mean, I, I applaud uh, that gravitas it takes to to do that in that moment. I, I, I like that play. So, But, I mean, that's the kind of mentality it takes to – what did he lose one conference game in three or four years when his first in around? Like that's the kind of mentality you need. Exactly. I mean, you, you, you gotta, you just, you got your foot on their the throat. You don't just let go. You just finish it. You just stomp it in more. I mean, and that's, that was an, I, as much as I, I hate it, I, I do not think it was classless or anything like that. I, I was maybe ballsy because if he misses it, yeah, we get a little bit of momentum back from it. Not much, but, he gets it, and it's just, it just keeps the hits just keep coming. Like he's just sitting, like he doesn't want us to get off the mat. But we did, man, and that is the we coolest sure thing. I cannot believe the fight in that Bobcat team because it's not something we've seen in the modern day 
Montana State. I mean, a little bit. Okay, so I can't say that because Choate's teams have had that little element of it. But how many years in past teams have we watched just wither um, once they've gotten down to that point? If, you know, 22 nothing for sure, they past teams would have just – we would have finished that game, you know, 34-10, something like that, you know? Yeah. Man, we fought and fought and fought. And there is where I think Troy Anderson has been, gosh, the most invaluable person, I think, to this (laughs) team. And I have fought it all year long. Mm -hmm. I have fought it all year long. And You've been so reserved on the podcast, (laughs) but outside the podcast, you've you've been pretty unhappy with the whole situation. (laughs) Oh, gosh. He is just a winner. And Choate says – Choate said in this pressure today, and I and this is one thing I wrote down. Cool, he says, uh, somebody asked him, I think it was Paul. Paul asked him, and I apologize if this wasn't Paul, and Paul somehow listens to our podcast, but he said, you know, what was uh, going back in the season and making the decision on Troy to play Troy? Uh, reflect on that, and Choate, not batting, I says. I never really second guessed it. The kid's a winner. Winners win. And I was like, he he didn't. Choke never wavered. And we all sat here for so many weeks. We're like, no, just put Rovig. You know, they were gonna go with Rovig had he not gotten hurt. But you know, you know, we sat here in just frustration for the whole month of October, seeing Troy Anderson is not working out in quarterback, and it wasn't. And who said maybe that's Bob Cole's fault? You know, <laughs> Matt Miller. It has really kind of helped match those deficiencies. But, man, Choate never never uh, strayed from his cards right there. And I, we couldn't – I don't think we would win that game with Troy Anderson is not our quarterback, honestly. It just takes that kind of person to say, we're going to go get this done. I think Grant Collins and Tucker Yates were those guys on the defense. But Troy Anderson's that guy on their offense, and you need those people in there. No, he absolutely was just – He's a winner. I mean, there's really no way to put it. You can rag on his passing skills, his progressions. I mean, all the intangibles that make him a quarter. No, I guess the intangible, like just the physical tools that make him a quarterback. But it is those intangibles, the leadership quality, just the the guys just believe in him. They know that he's going to get it done or he's going to will the team to victory. And it's not even just like – it's not like a – like a like a Kobe Bryant situation where he just takes the game over and everyone just sits back and watches. It's just that he galvanizes everybody to do their part. And if that means he goes for a, a big touchdown run, that's what it is. But it's it never feels like it's the Detroit show in a in a selfish way. It just feels like he's just taking control and gotten everyone to buy into him taking the game into the hand into his own hands. If that makes any sense, that's kind of a weird way of phrasing it, but I don't know if that makes any sense. No, he's the epitome of a selfless player. He's the epitome of a Bobcat. He's the epitome of what Chote wants the team to be. And I think they have bought into that more than any time I've ever seen. So yeah, he, he's a magnificent bastard. That's for sure. Bravo. Bravo. Here's to you, Troy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How about let All right. So we kind of talked a little bit about the game moving forward. We'll, I want to touch on one last thing. Tucker Yates is throwing his that center or whatever just to the <laughs> ground like a rag doll. I don't think I've ever seen an offensive lineman owned so badly <laughs> in my entire life. It, 
he just have you seen that replay where he just like it looks effortless. He just like moves both hands <laughs> and just the guy just like falls over. Oh, I just, watched it twenty like, times, nothing. dude. <laughs> I watched it's, it. It's incredible. Times. It's incredible. Tucker Yates is just like, all right, I got this. Just throws the guy to the ground, just launches himself at Eastwood, sticks him. Um I guess there's still a debate on whether the fumble was caused by Yates or Collins. I guess most people are thinking Collins caused it, but it doesn't matter. He, he I don't think if he if he doesn't make that hit, the fumble doesn't come. Period. Whether he f- actually causes the fumble or not, but he initiates the sequence that leads to the fumble. So, and yeah, Collins and Yates, two senior leaders, just getting it done. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't believe that that happened. I just jumped out of my seat at the at the watch party when that happened. I just, I could not believe what just happened. How many times does that play go against Montana State in our lifetime? Ninety nine times out of a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, I was a crazed man. I scared everyone in my household. My my little son, my two year old, was just sitting there looking at me wild eyed and I'm just, I run up the stairs yelling and screaming. I, I, I don't know where to run. I'm in my house. There's confined spaces. And so I'm like, I turn around, I run back down the stairs. My mother-in-law jumps out of the way. I run outside. It, it was, and then I had to stop. I go, I gotta go see that play again. <laughs> I run back inside. It was like, show me the replay. Of course they show you the replay. Holy smokes! What weren't an you amazing concerned? Play. Weren't you concerned they were going to review the fumble there? <laughs> oh no! Uh, well, once I saw it, once I saw it in replay, I was like, "That's that's easy. That's that was a fumble." <laughs> but I mean, it's I, clear. I'm just I'm just saying, you just ran around. <laughs> no, no, I was Before. more I was more nervous uh, that uh, the two plays after that it looks like Troy Anderson botched the snap on both of those those um kneel down plays at the very end i, I guess we couldn't do kneel down that very first play we needed a game maybe a yard or yard have to get a little bit more breathing room but it looked like we botched both of those snaps and then bobby Halk mentioned it in his press uh his post-game presser as well that one of them he's like you know wouldn't that be the deal if we had one play on the two yard line two seconds left <laughs> i was like Whew, i'm glad troy got on that i'm no doubt troy would have gotten on that but it was not a clean snap at the very end. No, but I definitely uh, – everyone was kind of still celebrating there at the end there, but I was at the, I was at the watch party, and I saw him that call that timeout. I, I booed. I loudly booed. <laughs> I don't like it when coaches call their last timeout in a safe face to say, like, oh, I used all my timeouts and everything I could kind of way. Yeah, I guess maybe miracles can happen. Have you ever seen a botched victory formation in any – Years watching football at any level? No, but when it comes, I mean, man, we've been stung so many times as cat fans. I don't put anything past it. <laughs> no, no, I just, I just, no. I wasn't. But you know what? You got to start that. taking that mentality and throwing it out the window because that's not a winning mentality. You know, as you know, we need to, and I think that's what we're going to. This whole transition—it's not from just culture for for a football team. It's the culture of the fans too. Yeah, you know, stop playing that- the weak mentality of oh woe is us we need to start having that dominating attitude so well that's a kind of a nice segue into the next point i wanted to talk about it's just like what does this win mean for the program 
I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because that question is is this that moment that defining moment it certainly can be I think it I think it is uh but I was playing a little devil's advocate with myself earlier today on this Choates won all of his Cat Grizz games so he's producing the Cat Grizz game I've still been waiting for this moment like let's say in mid October when we're playing Weaver when we're playing Eastern uh you know when we're not supposed to win and granted, we weren't supposed to win this game. We were slight underdogs and you know, maybe major underdogs compared to who you're talking to. Um, I don't know. It feels like the moment, but I don't know. I think it is. I think it is. I think this is, I think this is bigger than what I'm feeling now. I think this is bigger than what I'm feeling now. Just that moment that, you know, there's no way this is going to happen. And it, they got it done. They actually got it done you know, on the big stage. I think that's gonna. I think that's going to. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I don't feel that that, that this was some sort of like we came together for one magical seventeen minutes of football and beat the Goliath team, and now we're just going to go back to being David. I think this was a culmination of Cho preaching his culture, teaching it, sticking to the uh the program to the process i think this was just kind of a culmination of all that and i only think it's going to continue i think we'll have definitely we'll know more about whether this was that kind of moment or just a flash in the pan next week if we can carry the momentum into a a winnable home round uh first round home playoff game so that's going to say a lot about whether this was truly a program swinging moment or not but on the surface, just at a glance, it seems like that is definitely something that means so much more than just uh, the third win in a row against the Grizzlies. It just seems like this could be the starting of Choate really walking the walk, I guess you could say. Like he, or, you know, he's talked the talk for a long time. Uh, this could be walking the walk. And if that's true, we win big on Saturday. This could be like, remember Furman in 2006? Yes, we won I like, sure do. Uh, like 31 or 16. And I remember Big Lou, so, uh, Big Lou, Swasido, yep, standing <laughs> on 50-yard line, waving that big flag, Montana State flag, after, after the win, Jack Rolovich had <laughs> yards upon yards just passing that game. We just waxed them. And then we yes. go off to Appalachian State, and then uh, Michael Jefferson. Don't say it. Yeah. Don't say okay. Michael Jefferson. <laughs> the pass, the the wide receiver pass. <laughs> you know, and it's so weird because you look back on that score. We lost like thirty-eight to fourteen or something. You know, something like that. That was closer than that. But... It wasn't that much closer though, and uh, and it was totally skewed right after that. But that's that mental. Um, they weren't mentally tough. If you if you're almost in the game, you know, in the third quarter, and, and against a, a team like Appalachian State, and then you fold like that, that's not being mentally tough. Getting waxed by Sam Houston State, it's not getting ment- it's not being mentally tough after winning like a, a hard fought you know Stony Brook contest or New Hampshire contest. That's not being mentally tough. And so I, that's one thing I really look forward to seeing uh, in the playoffs right here is. You know, there might be some adversity, and I'm sure there is going to be some adversity on Saturday. But I'm now what I saw, 
from the team on Saturday, I don't think it's going to get any more averse than that. <laughs> we're playing at home, and, you know, if we get into a pickle like we were down 22 nothing, well, guess what? We've done it, and we've done it in the belly of the beast. And so we better be able to do that at home as well. Definitely, and you hope that the team has – yet again learned that you can't just come out and concede a half of football, which is kind of just what's happened over several times over the year. You would think if there's one time of the year where you're going to come out fired up beyond all belief, I'd rather have us fired up too fired up than to come out and just look flat like we did. So um, I'm expecting a big first half, even though I know uh, from what I've read, Incarnate Word is also kind of a first quarter, first half team a little bit as well, but we can't come down and get down 21-0 to the like the top 10 scoring offense in the country. We, we can't do that against them. Like The Grizz are one thing. Uh, against a team that is used to scoring points in bunches, a little bit different. But to kind of circle back to that, uh, before we get too much into the Incarnate Word game, is that this was the biggest win we've had yet under Choate, but it's such a weird dynamic to think that these big wins are coming against the Grizz, but no one else. That's like the complete opposite of like Rob Ash. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's what I just keep thinking about. Is like, is I'm still waiting for that moment. And that, that moment, and to be honestly, you know, if I'm really just being honest with myself, I'm still waiting for that moment. And that we, we talked about that just just now, you know, this could be <laughs> that thing, but I'm still waiting for the non grizzly let's just make our stamp kind of moment. So Well this one vaulted us in the playoffs, so that one's a pretty big yeah moment for sure. So mm-hmm. how much have you had a chance to to read about Incarnate Word? I've probably devoted a half hour in my life. <laughs> I was kind of curious because I mean I've, I've looked a little bit too. I just wondering how much you've had a chance to like. We're no, this isn't the big thing that we do on the show. We talk we talk about the next opponent, but we don't really dig down deep into it. But it sounds like they have a pretty damn good offense and a pretty damn good quarterback and a passing attack. Uh, I know I know the Southland teams always do though, so ugh, you know take that with a grain of salt. But we we struggled with Sam Houston State and. And they seem like they might be similarly built, except uh, Sam Houston State. Those teams had pretty solid defenses, and um, they appeared not to have very good defense. Um, but uh, what what are your initial thoughts on the matchup? Well, what I read about them and what I've seen is their coach is uh, comes from the same tree as the Mike Leach. He played for them and coached with them, as far as I can tell. Am I right on that? Uh, I believe I heard that. Okay. Yeah, I definitely, I've definitely heard Mark, Mike Leach coaching tree for sure. All right. So, you know, being a Coug fan myself uh, and watching Gardner Minshew and the Cougs just roll through the Pac-12 this year, what they really look for in the air raid offense, if you really break down the air raid offense, and here comes the fans' perspective of the air raid offense, <laughs> is what Minshew is really looking for is space. And that's when they find the receiver. So they're looking for the, and the receivers are looking for open space. So if they're playing like a zone defense, space is easy to find because you just got to find the space between the zones. If you're playing man, you just got to make, you know, beat your matchups. And so that's one thing I think we've struggled with in the back end is giving up pass plays uh, and 
that scares me a little bit because that's basically what they're probably going to try to do is run this, the air raid offense, you know, look for the matchups. It's a box count kind of thing. And as they say, and it's, but you know, Chote said they'll, they'll sprinkle in some of his, uh, not, it's not a true Mike or Mike Leach offense. It's they'll sprinkle in like some power. They said some different run, uh, running concepts, so, but the passing, the passing definitely concerns me. And, you know, Tyrell Thomas, I don't know how healthy he was. He got picked on for sure on in the cat race. Uh, I guess he'll probably feel a little better this week, but uh, we got a tall task ahead of us for sure. Well, he almost came in with two picks and uh, definitely had one that he should have picked. And the other one, he could have made the interception, and it actually looked like he was going to land a bounds, but he tried to throw the ball back into the field of play. Yeah, he's never going to get his feet down. But you know, they're, uh, um, he actually came pretty close. I don't know if you watched the replay. He was really close to doing that. Mm-hmm. I think he had a chance to get his feet in bounds. So it was a pretty uh, risky play to try and chuck it as hard as you can back into the field, hoping that your guy gets it. <laughs> but uh, he he made some plays, but he got picked on too. So, um, But we definitely need him to be healthy. Well, our, our our DBs have done well this year. It just and you know maybe I'm just a little snake bitten by them in years past, but I just don't feel like that's been our strength. But it's better this year than it has been. But one thing I do know is their quarterback for Incarnate Word has 22 TDs, but he also has 13 interceptions. Well, they are they are where are my stats? They're 17th in the country in turnover margins, so. If you're telling me that they turned the ball over, I I have I they're also third in the country in turnovers forced. They forced 29, 29 turnovers on the year. And a lot of those I know are interceptions because they get teams into kind of a track meet where they're up by a couple of scores and teams are forced to pass against them and that's when they can kind of tee off on the quarterback and and make some interceptions but um which they won't get against us. Um I mean we, we might throw one. I'm not going to say we're not going to throw an interception but we're not going to likely get into a throwing the ball 35 times a game so their DBs are just waiting for the ball over the field. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a little concerned about that, though. They're, they they are uh, definitely winning the turnover battle all year, and we're plus 11 on the year, so we're not bad ourselves. But that's going to be, yet again, uh, <laughs> shocking analysis, turnover battles, pretty important. You know what? I, we, we have some patterns that I've noticed and the first half of the ball game for offense and defense, we go pretty much as vanilla as possible. So I predict um, we play base defense come first half and we have some sort of mix it up after halftime. But I also mm-hmm. predict that we're going to try to just do our run game right away in the first half. And you saw in the second half, and Chode alluded to it, we had to open up the playbook a little more. You know what? And it seemed like Troy Anderson did a lot better passing in the second half when we did open up that uh, that um, the playbook a little bit more, and, and we had to pass. And so he had some good passes in the first half, but his receivers weren't helping him out. Oh, either. no, with so many drops. And that's one of the things I was, you know, I was dogging on Cassis, and he deserves some criticism. He, he made some bonehead mistakes, but – we need to – gosh, I don't, I don't know if we need to. They're going to see if we can just dominate with the run game, kind of like uh, Cal Poly. You know, can we do that to them or the way we did, you know, like UNC? Although UNC played the run pretty good there for a while. But 
we'll we'll test those waters and then we'll decide on whether or not we have to open up the playbook a little bit more from there. So I had uh, been wanting to touch on this from the Grizz game and it, it kind of it's very pertinent to the conversation we're having right now. How come we kind of went away from the Travis Johnson taking snaps, the Kevin Cassis taking snaps? We had like three guys take snaps the last two weeks in a row and also in the Grizz game. Did anyone take a snap besides Anderson, like if they did, it was minimal. Like it was mostly the Anderson show. I think Travis Johnson took a snap, but you know, you're right. I think it might have been just uh, we trust Troy to get the job done. <laughs> well, it seemed like we really tried to, instead of like trying to get the edge in the first half and then the third quarter, we just like our edge was Travis Johnson bubble screen. Like we ran that screenplay how many times? He had like 11 catches, right? For like 11 catches for like 101 yards. Um, more, that one big play, but otherwise it was those little screen passes. Mm-hmm. And credit to him, like he he made some moves. He made like he didn't have a ton of room to run, but those were usually four to six yards a pop, easy, like n- no work whatsoever. Yeah. So I, but it was it was surprising to me. Like I, that was one of the I was surprised in the first half. I thought our play calling was a little odd with Matt Miller. So I'm kind of, I'm curious to see what kind of game plan we're going to come out with against a team that has presumably like all, most of the Southland conference teams, like quite a bit of speed on the defensive side of the ball. I still think we come out conservative with our base stuff. I agree. But I, I just, you wonder if it's going to be wrinkles or if we're going to, if you're going to see the Grizz game plan or the zone read up the middle with Fonze or, or are we going to run some more QB power stuff? Because <laughs> I made this, I made this post on the Bobcat message board. Can you imagine if you're just a, a coach from a conference and you're like, who the hell is this Trey Anderson kid? And you would turn on the film <laughs> and you just watch our offense. And you're just like, what, what, what am I looking at? <laughs> like what year am I looking at right here? <laughs> Can you imagine the, when did Troy Anderson, he had like seven passes, like one game this year. It was just recently too. It was or it was some extreme low number. You're like what? No, no. He had a few Chris Murray like performances. You know, like three <laughs> completions, <laughs> three three of seven, fifty yards. You know, had, lighting on fire. We had a hundred and fifty eight passing yards this mm-hmm. this game, man. Not yeah. bad. Not bad. No second highest total again. Uh, he had more against Idaho State, but. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we do, um, how we how we use Troy, the magnificent bastard. Um, I think the Grizz did a really good job of containing him. There were so many times where I thought that the hole opened up, and I'm like, "Oh, there's Troy running the hole," and the guy breaks, sheds his block, and tackles him right at the line of scrimmage. It was it was pretty impressive job by some of the 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 linebackers and the def- defensive linemen for the Grizz. And I wonder how well um, a team like Incarnate Word who has been scored a lot upon if they're going to be able to contain Troy like that. Yeah. It would seem like it was, it was those plays where like, Oh, Troy's gone. And then you get, you know, he would get mm-hmm. like a shoestring tackle or um, it seemed like they had, uh, what's his name? Robbie Houck spying on him. I was watching Robbie. It seems like everywhere Troy was going, Robbie was as I'm pretty sure Robbie Houck was spying on him most of the game, but yeah, they had one guy dedicated, if not two, to Troy Anderson every play, and it seemed to work out for them. No, and they just—I think they just wore down because, like, like we talked about, we just kept doing what we do and just kept chipping away, and eventually, 
kind of just did whatever he wanted with them. Some nice Logan Jones peppered in. He's been so valuable these last few games. And um, I don't know. I want to talk about your thoughts on Logan Jones, if he plays or not. Um, I don't know if we should do that right now or wait till we're done talking about Incarnate Word. But he's been a huge part of the offense. And if he doesn't play, though, I don't know who we have who can get the edge like that. It's a really good question. I don't have a good answer for that. I can see uh, it going both ways. Uh, I, to me, I think this is – I don't know much about his academic performance, but that seems to me that would play out. Most of it is where is he at in school? I thought I read somewhere on the board that he did have an earlier school left, but, um, you know, that's – you never know. Take that with a grain of salt. But I don't know. I, I go back and forth on this. I'm like, yeah, it would be awesome to have him next year, but we're also going to have probably some more dudes next year. Like you would, you would hope Malik Barkley's coming along. You would hope Lame Sumner, Tyrell Burgess are all going to be back healthy again next year. So we're going to have a lot more speed options. We're going to have Coy Steele, who's going to have an earner in his belt. Willie Patterson's going to be back healthy. So it's like if you need a guy like Logan Jones, um, I know it's tough because he could have an earner year, but you almost want him now. Like you, you kind of need him in some ways because we don't have anyone else who can do what he does. Nope. You know, I think this game is going to be um, kind of like the ISU game. And I just hope with a different outcome. I, I, I think, I don't know anything about Incarnate Word, but the, the limited time I've uh, read about them, they strike me like the ISU game. You know what? Our offense looked the best to me in the ISU game uh, under Matt Miller, too. So I'd like to see that offense. Uh, I do think we're going to be able to run on them. And I honestly, I don't make predictions about scores, but I just think the confidence that was gained from last week was just going to spill over to this week. And we're just going to, I hate to say it. I'm not going to say it, but I think it's going to be good. Well, a few things, uh, a few interesting things. I noticed it looks at the depth chart for Incarnate Word. Mm-hmm. They don't have any tight ends listed. They have an H back and a B B-back? I've never really <laughs> heard of a B-back, have you? <laughs> no. No, but uh, I kind of read about it. I guess it's kind of like an H-back. You're going you're gonna to have a big guy who's going to be used for blocking and catching some balls out of the backfield. So, gotcha. Um, but uh, their B-back, his name is Giselle Para. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he's 6'3", 236, and their H-back is 6'6", 234. So, I mean, they might as well be tight ends. There are some pretty big bodies right there. They're going to be in there to help block. So it's an interesting – um, concept on their offense. I'm kind of curious to see how that looks. Mm-hmm. And a couple other things that actually I think go in our favor. They've for everything I hear, I heard show talking about it, how they get up on teams and force teams to come back on them. They've been outscored 107, 107 to 74 in the first quarter. And I know that they played two FBS teams and they just got smoked by both of them. They got smoked by a pretty good North Texas team and a really bad New Mexico team. New Mexico always bad, and they also have been outscored um, forty nine to sixty five in the fourth quarter. And as you know, we, as we've shown, we're a very good fourth quarter team. So even if we do get down two scores heading into the third quarter, you still like our odds. Like I, what was the game I felt this year? Like we were down, and I just like I feel like we're going to come back and win this game. I can't remember what the game was. What what game do we have a deficit? When we came back and won besides. Game. 
What was before ISU? <laughs> Weaver? No, uh, it wasn't. I don't know. Anyway, but the, oh, it was Idaho. I'm sorry. It was Idaho. We were down like 17 to 7, right? Oh, yeah. That's right. And it was just like that's just the team. And even as far back as the Idaho game, I just felt like we can win this game. We're just we're just waiting to strike. And and that, so you can't get down. You can't get down on the team when you're down because the team is going to keep doing what they do. They're going to have faith in themselves and in the system and the process. And they're going to chime away and they're going to come back and they're going to storm back at their end. So I think even if we're down, I think we still have a, like, that's not a bad place to be for us, but you really would like to see us get up and just take control of the game from the start show a Southland team, a six and four Southland team that this is Montana playoff football, you know, this is how we do things. Absolutely. I think we can. I think the momentum is starting to build. And it's just building on itself like a wave. I hope you are correct. And that all sounds good to me because that's a historic win, Missoula. Three in a row, first time since the 80s. We all know how those, well, 84 went. I think the other two seasons sandwiched around 84 weren't that great. But, hey, let's, let's pretend that this is going to be the 84 season. You never know. You never know we're going to make a magical run. And this may be the kickstart for it. Yeah, it's all about timing. You know, if we get past this and we got NDSU coming up, you know, I'm, I've am i thought about that game today. I let, them, I let my mind go down that path, and it excites me. It really does. The, uh, from what I've heard, you know, the, the two teams that NDSU had most uh, problems with was Kennesaw State and uh, South Dakota State. Hey, we know those guys. Uh, we're more like Kennesaw State than anything. And, I don't know, mil- uh, momentum builds on momentum. And talk about a chance to make a statement. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I won't get too ahead of ourselves either, but I would not be looking forward to the the invasion of NDSU fans on our board bitching about the buyout game. Because <laughs> uh, well. they will. They'll be all over that. They have been nonstop on various message boards since we did it. So, warranted or not, they won't stop talking about it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, incarnate word, I think we have a more than good shot to beat them. It's hard to always tell with the competition down the Southland. Some good teams come out of there. Um, we fared okay against them. I know we, we beat Central Arkansas. No, do, do we beat Central Arkansas? We did. When? 2000. Jake Bleskin. I would believe. Or no, we beat Stephen F. Austin and we lost to Central Arkansas. My gosh, can't remember anything. <laughs> there, yeah, there was one year where we went down to Texas and I think we lost in a, in a big game and we beat Central Arkansas at home um, back when they were like winning the conference. I don't remember. But uh, we fared, I'm just saying, we fared okay. Um, Team speed, offensive speed is kind of a problem for us, as, as we know. Get, if, if teams can seal the edge and guys get to the edge, we have big problems with that. So that's my, my concerns are um, passing the game. But I, th- I think we can come out on this because we have the athletes, we have the attitude, we have the belief, and I just think we're going to be much more physical and it's going to be Montana football in November. Yeah. Choate's been waiting for this. This has been – this has been his goal for so so many years now, or I mean three, <laughs> so many. But you know, he's been waiting for this. And we got Ty Graygrack, who's a seasoned vet, 
in in the playoffs. Uh, man, I'm excited for the matchup. Me too. Well, you got any bold predictions or over and unders or anything like that for this game? Or it's hard to say. Like a, with an opponent, you don't really know. You don't really know how we're going to come out and attack. It's a little bit different. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold prediction that we can keep the turnover streak rolling, and we force two more turnovers. Gotcha. Yeah, I was thinking those will be um, interceptions. I, I want. Uh, it seems like Thomas has been is so close to so many interceptions this year. He's dropped quite a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the the classic saying like there's a reason they play defense, right? <laughs> <laughs> this this is the this is his week, Tyrell. If you're listening, uh, I believe in you, man. You're gonna get it this week. You're gonna get it this week. I think uh, Jockway will get one too. Two interceptions. Want, That's yeah. my bold prediction. Thomas is going to pick one, and, and after he's tackled, he's going to do five push-ups to celebrate <laughs> <laughs> right in the midfield because that's what Thomas does. <laughs> uh, I, right. I can't I like piggyback that. on your bold prediction. Um, uh, my bold prediction was uh, – I'm going to revise mine. I do think we get two interceptions, but my bold prediction is going to be we uh, win by um, more than 14. Wow. That's pretty bold. Like, we're just not even really a team that's built for that necessarily, but I could see it totally happen in a game like this. Like, momentum's on our side against a team that might come in into a buzzsaw and being overwhelmed, so I could see that. I'm not sure I agree, but I could definitely see it. Yeah, I hate making predictions based off of scores and whatnot, so I feel like, eh, whatever. Okay, I'll stick with it. Too late. It's on record. All right. And uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention... Driscoll Cat's bold prediction from last week. He said we would have two turnovers more than the Grizz and Cat Grizz, and they would be the key deciding factors. And good job, that's about Shane. the most accurate, yeah, <laughs> most accurate bold prediction I could see. So there you go, Shane. <laughs> you were right. Congratulations. I will buy you a beer if I make it out to the a, the home playoff game, which I might. I might be able to do that because I'll be nice. in, in Montana so for Thanksgiving. So we will be staying in Spokane. We'll be going to Montana next year. So, well, I think it's about time to wrap this up. Shall we end it like we always do? Go Cats. Go Cats. All right, buddy. See you. Grizzlies line up with a cam wide left. Same formation, the three tight ends right. Eastwood is the running back. Sneed, the quarterback, goes out of the shotgun. Bobcat defensive front makes a pressure, and he's down at the one. He comes loose. 